Welcome back to the first official episode of Disgustingly Optimistic. Thank you for being here. Y'all could be doing a million and one things and somehow you're here and we are so, so honored. And I say we because I have the delicious, the juicy, the beautiful Samantha Gilbert. Y'all, I went on and on about Samantha on the last episode, the very first transition episode from The Law of Love. And so lucky y'all, she gets to be in your ear holes today. Hi, Sam, baby. How you doing? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. I feel so honored and humbled to kick off your new branding podcast. This is a big deal. Okay. The Profane Priestess, such a unique name. I think it describes your brand perfectly. Tell us about how that came to be and how do you do? How do you embody this Profane Priestess? Absolutely. So about a year and a half ago, I went to this 13-day immersive gathering in Ashland, Oregon called Priestess College. And I had committed to that in the summer of 2022 when I was commercial salmon fishing for the fourth time. And I had just discovered her name is Grail. She's the head priestess leading this, this training. And it so spoke to me because it said, practical priestessing. We're holding, devouring, releasing, and restoring. We are showing up to really alchemize our community's needs. And so I saw this offering and was just like, oh, I'm so drawn to that. So I ended up in Ashland, Oregon um, from October to the beginning of November, right over Halloween or Samhain. And yeah, just really got to connect with like that part of me, the priestess, the of service, which just so resonates with me. Like I am the Aquarian humanitarian through and through, like really so much of what lights me up is being of service. So yeah, I went to this 13 day immersive gathering. It was super, super epic. And then I just started writing these words in my journal, profane priestessing, the profane priestess. It kind of just came you know, from above, from the inside. But I was writing it in my journal for a few months, just kind of being like, what is this? And yeah, I mean, it took a few months, maybe like four months for me to actually be like, okay, something's being asked of me here. I'm going to step into it. So I changed my Instagram username. I changed my website name. And gosh, what a ride it's been since. How do I embody it? I mean, for me... (laughs) What is so let's funny. talk about the word the word profane because I feel yeah, like that has was... such a negative connotation so, so taboo. That was about to be my next sentence. Yeah, the the definition of the word profane literally means taboo or against the church. Like really is the is the definition when you look it up and I wasn't raised in the church. I was raised Jewish and emphasis on the ish, Jewish. Uh, my parents are like boo Jews, Buddhist Jews at this point. But you know, as I've come into adulthood, I've really struggled with understanding what the church is sharing with people. Mm-hmm. And as I've met people who have kind of walked away from Christianity or Catholicism, I've just witnessed like such an indoctrination around things that are our birthright and that support empowerment. Mm-hmm. And whether that be, you know, connecting with your own spirit source instead of having a middleman or connecting with pleasure as a way of power. Or, I mean, the list goes on and on of things that are like deemed not okay or not supported by organized religion. But when you really feel into it, it's like, these are the ways that we become free. So for me, profane priestess, yeah, it's like me being of service and embodying and giving permission to the full spectrum, especially the places that have been 
deemed inappropriate or not okay, those places really intrigue me. I think we can find a lot of power and liberation and sovereignty looking in the places that we are told not to. Yeah, yeah. And so, so far, it goes so far beyond just religion, because even you not growing up in the church was affected by these standards or societal expectations. So how do you stay authentic and true and liberated and profane in literally a culture and a society that thrives on making women small and making women feel unworthy. And also, it's still so taboo. Even in 2024, it's still taboo to show up and like the algorithm shuts you down if you show too much skin, if you say something that's too profane. So how do you do it? How do I do it? I mean, there's, I think there's two key pieces. One is I have such an epic relationship with myself and that that looks like a lot of multimedia journaling for me, a lot of time spent alone, um, moving my body, but like I have some tools in my tool belt to bring me back home to myself, but a huge piece is knowing who the fuck I am. Mm. You know, it's like if I don't know who I am and people are spewing projections at me, which this used to be the case, I didn't know myself as well. And people were spewing projections at me. This has been going on for quite a few years now. You know, it rattled me to my core because yeah, it's like, is that true? Is what people saying about me? Is that, is that what's true? So really it's, I've had to really cultivate such an epic relationship with myself, knowing myself from the inside out. Self-definition is the name of the game. So that is such a huge piece. Number two is having epic community and sisterhood. So of course, it all comes back down to me. At the end of the day, it's just me and me. I have to be able to look myself in the mirror and say, I believe in you. You are an amazing person. You know, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I believe in you tenfold. If I can't say that to myself, we have a problem. But I can say that to myself. So I know who I am. I know I'm an integrity. I know my essence and my impact. And then a huge piece is just having sisters who know who I am and love me and adore me and support me unconditionally. So when, you know, it does get tumultuous in a moment or I am confused or I'm not sure if I'm in the right or if I messed up, that I have such an epic team around me who can really say like, Sam, you are making an impact. Sam, you have changed my life. Like, you are doing the Lord's work. Don't Mm -hmm. let the haters hate or let the haters hate, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I honestly, these days I'm flattered to take up people's brain space rent free. It's like, if that's how you want to play it, sure. You know, I can be whoever you need me to be in your story at this point. Right, right. You actually, so you've talked about this in the past and just so, so recently, like a few days ago, you had an instance where you got criticism or backlash or just massive, massive projection. So do you mind talking about and sharing how in the past you've moved through it and how this new version, this embodied version of Sam moves through these projections? Because I think it's so helpful to see that like you're still human. Shit still is like, oh man, that kind of hurt. But then at the end of the day, it, it really takes this like embodiment and these deep, deep reflections of self to be like, no, fuck this person. Like bless, love, and also I don't receive that. Mm-hmm, totally. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, surprised on my 28th birthday, which as we sit down on the 12th, that was four days ago. So four days ago, I opened Instagram midday and like there was so much love. And then there was some some hate. Um, 
And yes, it rattled me so much less than it once did. And I think in the past, like when I initially was the recipient of cancel culture and honestly verbal abuse, I mean, it shook me. Like days and days and weeks of really questioning my character and feeling like, you know, whoever was saying something to me, like I I had to follow what they were saying in order to be a good person. Mm -hmm. And yeah, what I've realized in these spaces of like online bullying, I mean, a, a lot of the hate and projections I've received are online because of course it's so much easier when there's like not a human human heart to heart connection to just be absolutely brutal to someone um what i really feel is that th- the people who are dishing out this hate to me it's like they are the epitome of the wound in the collective so mm. it's like you know i i feel for these people who feel like it's the best use of their time to flick hate and pain on the interweb it's like oh my god i pray for your healing i pray for your self love do you want to be invited into my spaces where we practice being loved for who we really are but you know i think a piece too is like i know myself to be available for difficult conversations i am always willing to step into the next version of myself i am always willing to admit that i did not know any better and to learn and to become a different version of myself with more awareness and empathy like i'm i'm here for that mm-hmm. i will not avoid my shadow and i will not avoid looking in the mirror and 98% of the time that i have received really violent words and people wanting to degrade my character it's simply because they want me to be a villain or they want whoever to be a villain. There's no room for growth or learning. Like when I went on Instagram the other day and was just receiving this like crazy backlash and like from people who don't know me, don't follow me, have never met me. It's like, it'd be one thing if they were in my DMs being curious. Hey, this is how it seems. I have some questions for you. What's your intent? What's your impact? You know, I want to have a conversation. Hell yeah, let's get into it. Let's both learn and evolve and connect. But 98% of the time, there is no room for growth. People who are spewing this hate and this cancel and the projections, they just want to call you out and give you like a virtual middle finger where really it's like the, the evolution and the healing happens when you can be called out, in, and up, mm-hmm. where there's a space for everyone's growth, where there's an opportunity for a shift or a change. But most of the time when I've experienced hate, yeah, I mean, there's just, the person on the other side has no desire for me to be any different or for any learning to take place. They just want me to know that they don't like me. And for me, you know, when you point a finger at someone, really what matters is the three that point back at you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're going to inspire some, you're going to trigger others. And they're flip sides of the same coin. Something just wants to be looked at. Something's being activated. But more often than not, it's just a hell of a lot easier to deem someone a villain rather than look at your own shit and why this creates a charge, why this makes you feel insecure, why this makes you feel jealous or envious or small. And I pray for everyone that we can get to that point where when you're pointing the finger, you get curious and you open your journal about those three that point back at you and you go move your body and you regulate your nervous system and you don't spend time spreading hate online. I mean, come on, y'all. Like, yeah, that is not, yeah that's not the healing the world needs. And 
I mean, just so much of it is so hypocritical. And so, you know, it's almost just like a different paradigm, like a different reality. Like, I feel like in the last five years since I've initially experienced cancel culture and like online bullying, yeah, it used to really affect me. And now I can just see that like, that's not the world that I'm operating in. Yeah. You don't subscribe. I don't subscribe. Is it really just, is it coming down to this perspective shift for you where you're able to see it for what it is and so therefore it doesn't affect you? Or is it really just, like, how did that Sam, how did you go from that Sam to this Sam? What happened in between that really Mm -hmm. helped you solidify who you are to where it doesn't, doesn't rock your boat? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'll just be transparent. It does rock my boat still a little bit for sure. I mean, I'm sensitive and really a humanitarian. So to be, for someone to think of me as like a villain, you know, hits on so many wounds and makes me mm. feel so misunderstood. Yeah. Um, so it definitely still breaks my heart a little bit. And yes, yeah, so much growth has happened. And I, I feel like, yeah, it comes down again to community. Like I've spent a lot of time in coaching containers, poetry groups, you know, transformational spaces. I've, encountered hundreds of people on paths of self-improvement and authentic authenticity and you know people wanting to make a difference in the world and so many people have affirmed to me that I have a beautiful heart mm. and that my soul impact can be felt and that they're inspired by me and I've just received so much positive feedback and from so many people older than me who have said things like you know, when you shine your light, you're going to piss people off. Or as you step into your power, some people are going to admire you and some people are going to be threatened by you. Like I've had people sharing with me that this happens, you know, as you take up space and are bold, if you have something to say, yeah, you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. And yeah, yeah. So I think a lot of it has been the spaces I've been part of and the affirmations I've gotten from people around me. And then, yeah, you know, just getting to know myself better and better. And, you know, at this point, something that someone says to me in an Instagram DM can't take away the hundreds and thousands of hours I've spent getting to know myself. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so beautiful. I think I'm also hearing you say that this real, raw, authentic self will actually repel the people that aren't supposed to be in your life, but then also simultaneously attract the community, the sisterhood, the people that do deserve to be in your sp- in your space and will help build you up and then simultaneously you can build them up but there's it goes both ways the pendulum has to swing so of course you're going to get backlash how does this totally. how does this happen how does this energy move through you when you're having a relational issue in person in relationship there, there's always going to be this this friction sometimes especially when we're in close community and when we're in close community, I have found that as I move through the spaces of spirituality and personal development, we're all triggering each other's wounds, even if it's light. And I have my own personal story, but I would love to hear yours on how you move through that energy and are able to either repair or honestly kind of let go and release the relationships that no longer serve you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, relating is the accelerated path. You know, it's just like you get close to people and everything comes up. So for me, 
um, I'm extremely gifted at walking away and dropping things and returning to freedom and sovereignty in my own path. So my actual journey this life is sharpening the skill set of finding power through staying related and continuing to lean in. Mm. I also just want to touch on the fact that we have the same north and south node and literally it's the same like, oh, drop. You said one thing. I don't like it. Boom, I'm gone, which feels so easy. But I know that that for me personally and based on your north node as well is like almost not. It's contrary to what we're here to do, which is learning how to be in discomfort in relationships. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Bless the the Libra North node. Um, it's also where my Chiron and my moon are like all in my chart together. So there's just like so much wounded, hard, emotional, destiny, karmic of service energy, like all there together. Super fun. Um, gosh, I, I think for me, like having discomfort in relations, especially ones that I really care about and have really been like a rock for me mm-hmm. when there is confusion or tension, it definitely brings up a lot of anxiety inside of me. Mm-hmm. And I definitely have a lot of Aries energy present in me as well. And another way to just say that is like, I move quick and I'm fiery. And so I want to work things out quickly. I want answers quickly. I want transformation quickly. Like There's been so much learning for me on having to like be patient and like trust space. Mm. I think something I've really gotten to witness too in the last like few years as I've, you know, stepped more and more into my voice and my power and boundaries and ability to conflict resolve, it, it always is about having an open heart. Mm-hmm. So there has been so many times where, you know, I'm kind of like in a disagreement with a friend or someone like reacts to me and it's like, I kind of want to pop off because I can see truth. Like I really do feel very grounded and poised in my ability to decipher and feel what's true. And part of my gift is to speak it. Um, I think many of us have that gift, but I definitely am going to like own that for myself, that there are times where I can like see a situation for what it is. And I kind of want to like slice through the deception of what's happening and just like name it as the revolutionary. But people most of the time don't need advice or like a harsh mirror. Most of the time people just need love. Yeah. That's like my own work is like, (laughs) yeah, the anxiety comes up if things aren't okay. The avoidant tendency comes up of like, I would rather just sever this, go back to being alone, say this relationship's done, like not give it energy. But it's really like the work is like, how can I keep my heart open and be available? And also, of course, boundaries and taking care of myself. Yeah. But it's like not closing the door, leaving it open, and also like not letting things take up too much time or energy in my own brain space. So it's like, I really... There's so many moving parts to it, but it's like having an open heart, being willing to speak the truth, being willing to stay closely related, and also like trusting everybody's process and not having to like caretake or micromanage someone's experience. And if I'm feeling anxious of like, I need to have quicker resolve, like I can go to my journal, I can move my body, like there doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, a dialogue between you and I if you're not ready for it in order for me to feel at peace. Oof. Oh God. But believe me, that's easier said than done. Cause like there's currently something I'm experiencing with such a dear friend and I'm, it's like, it has question marks all over it for me. We're like, I'm pretty positive. It's not personal, 
Yeah. And, you know, I think that actually this person is just so capable of holding so much and likes being in control of their emotions that potentially right now they're in a very vulnerable state. And so they're not, they don't know how to like reach out and ask for help. Mm -hmm. But on my end, it makes me feel like, where have you gone? Have I done something wrong? And it's kind of just like, yeah, let it breathe. Trust everybody's process. And also trust that people I'm in relationship with have their own boundaries and and truth speaking abilities that if it is about me, they'll fucking let me know and we'll have a conversation. And if it's not, let them have a few days of space. Like the world's not going to end, you know, it doesn't, but I've had to, I'm learning this right now, like patience, like, yeah, yeah. You know, I've spiraled and cycled with so many different people this year of like, well, I think it's over and we're not friends anymore. They don't make me feel seen. And it's like, People go through weeks and months of like not having the best time and not knowing how to communicate. And like, you know, I'm not serving myself by just being willing to cut something off the minute it feels a little jarring. It's like, how do I take care of myself? Yeah, I think that's such a hard space to be in. And simultaneously, it's the only way adult relationships will be able to survive. If if longevity is the goal, if the goal is ultimately always just love, then in those moments, if it's more self-serving, like love to let that person go for yourself, then absolutely. But man, this is something that I've experienced recently too. And it's really heartbreaking because I want to say that it's just part of me is like, oh, it's it's them. They don't know how to handle this or they don't know how to do that. And I'm like, part of the part of the whole purpose too is understanding that everything is a mirror. And so my need to want to control how someone else is responding to my actions or someone else is reacting is also this like, how can I look back and those three, those three fingers you were talking about, right? How is this affecting me? Where, where do I need to sit with myself and be like, oh, this little girl still needs this, or I need a friend that's available in this capacity right now. And who can I, who can I find that in? My husband mm-hmm. loves to say, not everyone's your lead singer, like in a band, because sometimes I'll be like, oh, I need you to do this. And he's like, no, babe, I'm your lead singer, but I can't do it all. So you need to go and like find a drummer and find a bass player and figure out who's going to help support you where, because I really cannot be that person all the time, always. That's incredible. I also would love to touch on in sisterhood, sometimes there's aspects of jealousy and full transparency, fully vulnerable right here during Bad Girls Club. I said something about how I used to think that I was attracted to the woman that was like sexy and fierce and outgoing and just super like, I don't know, can like dominate a room. And I used to be like, I I love that. Like, I am so attracted to that. I think that's sexy. And in Bad Girls Club, I'm going to just say the quote because we're already here. But I was like, I'm not sure if I want to fuck this girl or be this girl. And as I'm unraveling all of these layers, I'm like, oh, I want to be that girl. But I was experiencing jealousy and I felt it 100% transparency. I felt it towards you and I felt it towards some some other women that in person, I was like, wow, this energy is so magnetic and so expansive. How do you, as the person receiving jealousy, move through that? And I know it can't be just me because you have such a such an open personality. So how do you move through that? And how do you find it within yourself that you're like, that's okay? Mm-hmm. Also, if you're jealous of, if you're ever jealous of of other women, I'd love to hear your, your two cents. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's like really what we've been taught is like to be jealous 
because we're only now just moving into this new paradigm where we're really speaking into that there's enough for everybody. Mm. And that like me shining really bright only supports you shining really bright. And I think we've been in this paradigm though, where it's like, you know, that's not okay, or that's taboo. And so when you see someone else doing it, you know, the first, I don't know if everyone's default is jealousy. Sometimes it might be judgment, True. but you know, kind of similar, similar places of like, you're looking at someone and either, yeah, you're, there's something again, it's being activated. It's kind of like circling back to the inspiration or being triggered. But yeah. I think the medicine is like, one, if the person on the the feeling end of being jealous or judgy can speak into it, because then there can be this whole beautiful dialogue where it's like, usually within that, you're just seeing something that that you're meant to have too. Like you're seeing a quality or, you know, a, a trait in life or that that is also meant for you. You're like tuning into what's meant for you. And there's some sort of mental block or even physical block of believing that you're worthy of receiving it or also embodying it. Yeah. So I'm I'm really grateful to be that piece for some people. Um, you know, and again, sometimes it does end up it's the triggering piece and that's not always fun, but you know, for every one person I trigger, there's like 10 that are inspired and I've I've gotten to see women take up so much more space, utilize their voice so much more yeah. through being in relationship with me. And so yeah, I think it's like what's meant for us can't miss us. And when something's being turned on like that, there's just, there's a gift wanting to take place. And it's like, how brave and willing are the parties involved? Because something could really trans transpire mm-hmm. if everyone, if people can be honest. Um, yeah. I mean, I experience jealousy for sure. Sometimes I think, especially with like, like I'm very embodied and confident in, in my power, but like, money wise, like I don't have a ton of money in the bank, like, but I, I, I know myself to like be abundant and I feel abundant and I feel rich and wealthy. And I actually like, you know, I, I get to redefine these things like rich. Yeah. Rich and well, that's a whole other conversation, but I think it can be really easy for me sometimes when I see women charging a lot of money or being like, yeah, you know, just saying that they like make $240,000 every year. There's this piece of me that's just like maybe icked, first of all, but I'm like within that, it's like, you know, there's just jealousy or there's envy or, you know, it's like, I know that it's meant for me too. And I still haven't found my way of like charging a price point or, or getting a job that is that like, who knows how I'm meant to create wealth this life. Um, Money's a big piece. Thank you for speaking on that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, for me, for me, that's it. Because I feel like um, in many other ways, I like feel very free. Like, you know, I'm comfortable in my skin. I'm, I'm down to show skin. Like I love being in front of the camera. Um, I'll speak about whatever there is to speak about. Um, but yeah, for me, the money piece, I definitely watch like boss women, you know, be bosses. And there's part of me that's like, you know, yeah, there's like this, yeah, there's part of me that's like judging them for being like, the world is suffering, you know, how can you just be talking about six-figure circles and like, you know, having like, having offerings that really aren't available for anyone with disposable, with, without disposable income, but I really think from, in that, you know, there's, it's two-sided, or like two-fold, because I think there is a part of me that really is so here for the people, 
And I really can see big picture that like, you know, we're really not all in that place of like being able to just spend three grand on a coach a month. Like some people like can't like put food on the table every day. So it's just like, there's such disparity. There's such, so I, I know that to be true. And I, yeah, I like love that I feel that. And I do think there's a huge part of that that icks me because I'm jealous and I haven't figured it out for myself yet. And I feel uncomfortable charging what I'm worth, quote unquote, which is a whole other thing of like, I think we're all priceless. So what do you mean charge what you're worth? Like, can't you be available for everybody? Or maybe not. Like maybe some people aren't meant to be available for everybody. Some people do genuinely just want to work with like millionaires. I don't know if that's ever going to be me. So yeah, it's just like, you know, it's all so loaded. I think the more we're able just to be like, hey, fuck, I struggle with this too. It's like, we're never going to get there. It's like what Abraham says, you can't get it wrong. You're never going to get it done. And like, we all came to experience all of the human experience, which means jealousy, anger, despair, ecstasy, joy, heartache, love, like, yeah, there's no avoiding it. And there's no like, you're not doing it wrong. If you're feeling the negative emotions sometimes in the human experience, like it's all part of it. Yeah, thank you for bringing this jealousy and judgment piece because I think I've done so much self-reflection that I'm at the place where I'm like, oh, if I'm judging someone, then I must be jealous. And I think there's a lot of people out there that are still just stuck in this like judgment place and not all the time am I am I jealous. Sometimes I am just judging because of my ego and my wounding, but definitely there's some correlation. So even earlier in the week when you were talking about getting all this hate on Instagram, on the back end, knowing what that hate was, I was like, oh, these women are probably not liberated enough and they wish they were, but they're not there yet. So I think that piece was really important to connect and thank you for bringing that. I want to ask kind of um, an interesting question because I personally have struggled with some stuff where I'm like, oh, I regret doing this or I wish I'd said or done things differently. Is there anything along your path personally that you're like, fuck, I wish I had done that different or I wish God, this had yeah. been differently? I mean, like, yeah, of course. And, you know, I wouldn't be exactly where I'm at today if anything had gone differently. So I try to hold that in mind, too, of like, you know, it all planned out exactly as it's supposed to. But like, fuck, yeah. Like, I wish I hadn't stayed with the guy I lost my virginity to for an extra two years when he cheated on me. Like, that's one. Um, you know, I wish I had stood up to people in college when, you know, they were demeaning my character. I wish I like had been able to speak to that differently. I wish I had gone to the final track championship meet instead of choosing to like buy a jewel. Those <laughs> little pens. And like, yeah, my track teammates like haven't talked to me since then. And they were like some of my best friends. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, love. God, there's, I mean, so many pieces I think with romantic relationship too. like the last guy I dated, you know, I, I so regret not leaning in more. Like part of me wishes I was still dating him. Um, but it's like, you know, nothing for nothing. Like I am, I'm at where I'm at today and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's all amazing. So, I mean, I could spend plenty of time in my journal being like, what do I wish I had done differently? <laughs> so knowing what you know now, and of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. what pieces of reflection or advice would you give to baby Sam who's like just now waking up and coming into this this embodiment of the profane priestess as well as to all the women listening who are wanting to be a little bit more liberated who are feeling stuck or wish they could change their path or whatever it is like what advice 
what pieces of wisdom, any tools you'd like to share, anything that just really wants to be said and, and witness right now? Mm, man, gosh, we're all, we're all so hard on ourselves. Like I know from spending a lot of time with, with lots of women and, and just being with myself a lot, like my Isadora says it best. She's like, if only you could see yourself the way God sees you. Mm. And it's like, so often we're all just, yeah, we can pick ourselves apart, whether that literally be like up like six inches from the mirror or like, you know, just mentally of judging every little thing and thinking we're not ready and we're not eloquent enough. And I think really like the first thing I'd say is like, you're your own best friend. You've got to be your own best friend. You've got to be your number one cheerleader. And yeah, at the end of the day, it's just you and you, whether or not you're in a partnership or you're married or you have kids, it's still, it is just you and you. And so self-intimacy is the name of the game. So yeah, spend time nurturing that, whether it be baths or journals or you know, intimate group settings where you get to explore your inner world and be celebrated for it. I just think nothing, nothing compares to getting to know oneself and falling more in love with, with the person in the mirror. Oh, other tidbits. Do it scared. You're never going to feel ready. That's a good one. You're never going to feel ready. And like the first time is always going to be the hardest. So if you just show up that one time or submit that one essay to a magazine or buy a camera, you know, it's just like fuck around and find out worst case scenario, you get rejected. Like worst case scenario with almost anything is like someone says no. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that is so much better than like the, the time we spend beating ourselves up or wishing or yearning or wondering or questioning or regretting. I mean, so just, I'd say go for it. And like, really that also that comes down to having teammates and friends and a close inner circle who are your motherfucking hype girls. If people around you are crushing your seedlings of dreams, when you speak them, you need a new circle. Like we are like who we spend the most time with and yeah, just pay attention. Like what are the qualities of the people around you? Are they talking shit about other people? Are they judging themselves? Are they ruminating in self-loathing? Are they treating their bodies terribly? Do they have addictions that they're not willing to grapple with? It's like, at a certain point, love looks like walking away. This is kind of circles back to something you were talking about before, but it's like, you know, you're the main character in your life. And if you look around and it's not working for you, you get to make choices that serve you. And of course, you know, show up for your homies and be a good friend. Don't just be willing to walk away in a moment, but... Yeah, I'd say a huge piece comes down to like who you're surrounding yourself with and can those people hold your dreams? Can those people hold your win so that it doesn't feel like icky bragging? Because if you're around people who also aren't trying to win or like stepping into their power, you are not going to feel celebrated or amplified when you share your wins and victories. And that has been such a huge game changer for me of having people who are assured enough in themselves and who, you know, are walking their own path and who love themselves enough to be able to applaud and celebrate me as I continue to succeed and step into my truth and all that I came in, came here to be. Yeah. Like definitely pay attention to who's around you. Mm, 
So good. So good. Speaking of incredible sisterhood and just delicious humans to surround yourself with, how can people get in your containers, find more of you, anything that's coming up that's fun? I know that you just fully booked Bad Girls Club, which is so incredible. What else is coming up and how can people get in these incredible circles? Because it's pure medicine. It really is to be in your in your containers and to be surrounded mm. with the women you're surrounded with. Thank you. Uh, it's, yeah, it really, I really believe in the work that I'm doing and the, the community that I'm creating. I will hold Bad Girls Club again the end of April through all of May. It's going to be Wednesday night. So that's capped at 10 people. Um, absolutely reach out to me if you want to be in the fourth round. It will probably be the only other time I host it this year. And that space is just incredible. Like storytelling and being witnessed is the deepest, dopest medicine. So hit me up about Bad Girls Club. Um, I'd love to open up spots for one-on-one work. I'm open to how that looks, what kind of, you know, one-off sessions, longer containers, but like, I'd love to be people's pocket permission slips, Mm -hmm. you know, like it doesn't have to be this like whole huge, like gung ho container, but it's like, I really do want to be available for people to like speak liberation and hold up mirrors and to witness and to really affirm, like, I heard what you said and like, I'm I'm cheering you on, like, go for it. So you know, if you're listening to this and you feel like you'd want me in your corner, um, I'm open to talking about what that looks like. I really don't resonate with the word coach. Um, you know, I'm like, it's like, I'm 28. Who am I to tell you like how to live your life? But yeah, I, I really do know that I also have these gifts of being able to litness, listen and witness and amplify and extract and support. So, um, And then we'll just kind of see in this moment, I don't have too much else that's open. I'm currently in a mastermind um, where we're like brainstorming our why and our purpose and the next offering that really feels like our soul from the inside out. So stay tuned because in the next few months, um, I will be putting something new together and I have no idea in this moment what that looks like. So I'm also on the edge of my seat, but yeah, follow along on the journey. Um... Instagram is definitely a dope place to be connected with me. I'm pretty active there. Um, I'm very raw and like unfiltered. I don't follow an algorithm. Um, I'll just put my face online sometimes posting pictures of like me and my girlfriends and doing epic stuff and it's colorful and body painting and cowgirl stuff. And yeah, I mean, it's just a good time and I'm definitely here to be inclusive. So yeah, follow along for the journey. I would love to connect. At the Profane Priestess. I'll link it in the show notes. Samantha, baby, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for being my friend. I love you. I just want to give a tiny, tiny snippet into what got us here. Um, As everybody knows, the podcast was on a hiatus unexpectedly and also indefinitely. And a huge, huge part of me showing back up and being able to voice myself and, you know, show up fully and authentically is you and the community of women that have kind of all rallied around me and been like, this is what you love to do. We see your shine here. Let us hold your hand while you're trembling and scared and afraid and we'll jump with you. And that feels so fucking delicious. And I really do not think I would be here otherwise. I think I would have been like, well, you know, we did it. It was fun. And then I'm happy to move on. But this sisterhood, the Bad Girls Club, your retreat in Maui, it has been absolutely 
life-changing and all of our wounding happens in relationship and a lot of our healing happens in relationship and so thank you thank you for doing the work thank you for showing up and thank you for allowing me to be a huge part of it another vulnerable moment this is actually the second podcast we've recorded because the first one just didn't hit and so thank you for being so patient and being like yeah we'll do another one no big deal my god of course it's like such an honor to get to be deeply related with you and to get to share and to be questioned and to share bits of my story and soul um, on your platform and with the amazing following that you've created. And yeah, we all deserve to have friends who hold us accountable to the bigness of our wings. So if you're in my spaces, Andrea, I will never let you not be all that you came here to be. That would be you crying. <laughs> pesky texts or, you know, definitely like, yeah, I mean, it's 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 love to be like, I know what you're capable of. And I want to like, I want to see you shine, baby. So when are we recording? <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, we're going to close the first episode of Disgustingly Optimistic. Thank you so much, Sam. Thank you for all of the angels and the goddesses and the priestess that you brought with you because this container was so palpable. I love you. I love you. I love you. I'll see you on the next episode. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. I love you, Andrea. Love you.